and welcome to episode 27 of the Classic Rock Podcast for those about to pod. We salute you. In this episode, Brian will look back at 1988 in my year in rock. We'll also dig around for hidden gems. And we'll also discuss epic rock songs. Epic. Epic. <laughs> so without further ado, here he is. The noddy holder to my Dave Hill. Everyone's favourite. No, I mean everyone's favourite. Here's Brian. Hello, Matthew. How are you? Good evening to you on this epic Sunday evening. Yes, good evening to you. <laughs> Episode 27. 27, what a scary number. Sometimes when it gets to 27, people don't get to 28. What's true, actually. I was thinking that as well, funny enough. Yeah. Sadly, the 27 club. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So this hopefully, there, hopefully we'll get pod, podcast twenty podcast twenty eight will break that taboo for us. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll be okay. I think so. Well, I think so. You and I are way past twenty seven, so we're fine in that respect. <laughs> of course. Um. Anyway, how are things with you? What is happening in Brian world? Th- things are good. I went to live gig this week. Did you? I did indeed. I went to see Smith Cotson, who you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Um. You're going to see on next ne- this this week coming. Uh, very good, uh, very good. I had a double take a couple of times. We were they were playing the garage, garage in Glasgow, and it was like, "There's Adrian Smith, who we've seen headline download, and we saw him yeah. tricking him, yeah. and he's playing a playing a club." Um, it was great, honestly, great show, great sound. Um, the dynamic between both. Richie and Adrian was great. They shared the vocals really well. The new album, as you and I reviewed last year, um, came across really live, and they were having a ball. Um, and uh, and and I just give a little mention to the Dust Coda as well too, with the support band who were excellent. They were really good. Um, they got a great sound. Um, they for a support band sometimes they don't get a good PA sound, but they sounded great. The singer was. Singer was, uh, he was Glenn Hughes-ish in some of his really? screaming and high end of his vocals. So it was nice. Do you know what? It's nice to go back into club. However, however, mm. yes. I'm still getting used to, you know, uh, everybody in a in a club, uh, in a club, and Adrian mm. Smith's fifty feet away. Mm. Why people have to get their mobile phones out so yeah. that they're able to take a photograph of his left nostril. I, I got a nice spot for the gig, everything all set up, and three minutes before Adrian Smith and Richie Cotson come on stage, I am basically surrounded by pff, the Alps. Cool people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So hmm. I'll have to get used to that. Well, it's a good point, actually. I, I, I think that, you know, mobile phones should be um, banned at gigs, frankly. Um, it seems the more popular a, a band or an artist are, the uh, the more everyone gets their phones out. Yeah. I don't mind the odd song. Maybe record one song because you're never going to watch the entire gig yeah. again. And there's plenty of people who do it on YouTube to watch, you know, whoever you want to see live or official stuff or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's really, there's lots of those. We should do a whole episode on on the uh, do's and don'ts at gigs. <laughs> Um, gig chattering, yes. chattering away during the slow bits of a song, just because it's good. You know, hear someone chatter. So, did you see he said this last night? No, I didn't. Did you? <laughs> and, oh, come on! It, it was. And don't get me wrong. I, I'm okay if that's just my wife saying I, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the protocols of gigs, Matt. Put I your know, phone away. I know we should do a whole thing on that because there are some annoying habits. But you can't you can't kind of legislate for tall people. Tall people are allowed to go to gigs. And speaking <laughs> of someone of kind of you know six footish height, I'm I'm like you. I, I I'm merely standing there, and all of a sudden, some six foot four guy or well not not girl, but a six foot four guy stands in front of me. I think, well, okay, it's the show. It's the people on the shoulders I don't like particularly. Come yeah, on. Yeah. So that but was me. Then, that, that that was that, that was my that was my gig of the week. They were great, and yeah. I, and I'm sure you and uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy them when you go and see them. Just, I wonder how many Iron Maiden t-shirts there were there. Uh, well, mm, well, wasted years seem to <laughs> wasted years seem to get the biggest shout for the evening. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of Maiden fans around, and they get and the one I'm going to see on Tuesday in London is sold out, and I'm quite surprised at that. 
Um, but then again, then again, I'm not because it's, you know, it's one of Iron Maiden. And um, yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Um, that was me. First bit so, on the news, like music. Also, also in the news, uh, something that caught my eye recently, I think we might have talked about this. You'll know about this because you know about all sorts of stuff. So you certainly know about what is what's that word? I can't remember what it is. When you get lots of people from different bands, and then they all come together in one band. What that? What's that called? I can't remember what it's called now. Oh, um, super group. Ah, the super group. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. I'm going to have to come um, up with a jingle so, for that, aren't I? Super group. <laughs> there is a there's a super group in the offing, featuring. Uh, Kind of ex-members of, well, not ex, soon to be ex-members of Whitesnake. <laughs> Plus Nathan James. Iconic. A lot. The band called Iconic. Mm. Now I Googled the band Iconic and there are loads of bands called Iconic. You know, little kind of few bands that play on holiday camps and and things like that. So I don't know who's going to get dibs on the, uh, on the name. But uh, the Nathan James incarnation of Iconic looks pretty good. Oh, yes. Um, it's got, um, tell me who it's got in it. I've had a complete middle block. No, no, it's, um, I'll Michael tell you. Sweets. Michael Sweets, is it? Yep, from um, Striper. Indeed. Um, Tommy from uh, White Snake on drums, whose name's completely escaped me as well. Tommy Aldridge. <laughs> Tommy Aldridge, of course. Uh, Joel, Joel Hookstra, it's all coming back to me now. Joel Hookstra on the, on the guitar. I don't, I don't know why we're listing these people. But anyway, it's a big Marco old Mendoza. Group. Marco Mendoza. Marco Mendoza. Um, that should be interesting. I bet Nathan James is thinking, oh my God, I'm in a band with all these guys. This is yeah. going to be great. Yeah. Um, so uh, we shall see about that. In other news, there's a Dio documentary coming out this year. I think it's been um, kind of in the pipeline for a while. Yeah. And um, it looks quite good. It's called Dreamers Never Die. Yeah. Which is, uh, I guess, quite a nice name. It's uh, going to be premiered in a couple of weeks at the South by Southwest Festival. And um, I don't know when we'll get to see it or how we'll get to see it in this country, but um, I'll look out for it all the same. Could be interesting. Uh, Essentially, Ronnie James Dio's autobiography in, in, you know, in documentary form, in video form. Yeah, he led quite a colourful life to this sad death in 2010. Yeah, looking forward to that, Brian. I, I, and I am indeed. And the book. Uh, have you have you read Ronnie's autobiography yet? I think it was written written by Mike no. Mike Wall. Uh, neither have I, but it finishes um, from what I gather. Whenever Dio headline Madison Square Garden in 1986, so the the autobiography or the the. His official biography, we'll call it that, um, ends in 1986, whereas the documentary covers the whole, covers everything up to the end. And as you say, um, you know, from 1986, what are all of the things that happened? You know, he rejoined Black Sabbath and he, he recorded more material. Obviously, Black Sabbath then turned into Heaven and Hell. Yeah. Uh, you know, so um, it'll be the full telling of Ronnie's story. I have a funny feeling that Ronnie may be coming up a little bit later in one of the segments of our show. I'd be very surprised if he didn't. Really? I think it'll be a great. I, I there's not many there's not many singers who have the multiple careers and and uh the iconic bands that Ronnie has sung in and Absolutely. you know an amazing amazing, amazing singer, singer, amazing amazing character. Yeah. Um some new music to discuss. Yeah. So, so I've been listening to three new albums, newish albums. Um, quite diverse mix, actually. Scarlet Rebels, who we talked about, are one of the up and coming new wave of classic rock bands from out of Wales. Yeah. And they've got a new album out. It's been out a couple of weeks. It's called See Through Blue. And it's really good. Uh, it's very kind of uh, takes me back to. You know, 1980, 81, Tigers of Pantang made me a bit of, um, certainly Tigers of Pantang resonated when okay. I was listening to it uh, from that era, uh, maybe a bit maidenish. Uh, some great songs on that album, I'm Alive, and my particular favourite is These Days. So, um, yeah, check out the new album by Scarlet Rebels. I've also been listening to a new album from Goodbye June. They've been around for a little while. Uh, this is their third album. Yeah. And um, 
reckon it's pretty good. It's called See Where, See Where the Night Goes. Um, and I was listening to it, actually. I, I do most of my listening when I'm out walking the dog, I'll be honest. And I was listening to it yesterday. And I thought, well, it reminds me of sort of a, a mashup between the Black Crows and ACDC. All right, okay. Uh, I wonder if anyone else will think that. Um, but, uh, yeah, some good songs on that. Um, Step Aside and Three Chords are the songs that are getting airplay at the moment in this country. Mm. Um, or have done. Yes, good, good album, good interesting album, and then the third album, which I, which has been out a little while, and you and I uh, um, have seen this band a few times, is Carpe Diem from Saxon. Now, if you want a proper, you know, meat and potatoes metal album, um, stick this on and turn it up to ten or even eleven, because it's great. Yeah, it's got some good stuff on it. It's um, well produced as well too. I have to say the production on it's excellent, and yeah. Beth, Beth's voice is phew, amazing. Superb. Yeah, it is yeah. for a seventy-one-year-old guy, and you know, it just shows you age is no no obstacle to you know singing in a very successful metal band. Yeah. So, um, and then finally, new music-wise, um, so we talked about a band called Heard uh, a couple of episodes ago, who had a yeah. song out called Remedy. Yeah. Well, they changed their name to King Herd. Now, I think they're going to be massive, this band. They're one of my tips for the top, to use that old cliche. Um, <laughs> they've got a new song out at the moment called Medicine. And uh, already they're out on tour. They've already been added to festival lineups at Steelhouse this year, so you and I will see them. Um, they're out with Reef. They're out with Collateral. And they're out with Dan Reed this year as special guests. Um so yeah, check out a band called King Herd, and particularly the the couple of singles they've had out recently, Remedy and Medicine. You won't be disappointed, boys and girls. Well, we'll, st- we'll make sure that we stick some stuff up on the playlist um, oh, yeah. from from the band. Um, my, <clears throat> um, I'm probably I'm holding up the the end for the old guards because the the two releases actually loads of new music's coming out. Um, the Flower Kings, um, which is a progressive rock band from Sweden that I like, they've they've uh, they've a new album that came out last week. But of course, um, the album which I was hotly anticipating as one of my one of my albums of the year was released on Friday, which was the Marillion album. Uh, Marillion's album, which was an hour before it's dark, came out on Friday. Um, I've had a good listen to it, um, which is it's it's. It picks up from their um, from the last uh, studio album, Fear for Million. It's very epic, um, and it also uh, Steve Steve Hogarth's vocals are fantastic as well too. But uh, what you have to praise uh, Marillion for—they're the first band that ever. You know, when you talk about crowdfunding albums and being mm. able, you know, even last uh, when we were talking about bands going out and tour. And literally, the uh, audience paid for the insurance for for the tours. You know, so Marillion yeah. find good. So um, the album's great. If you're a Marillion fan, you'll be you'll 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 enjoy it. But I thought what was interesting in the news was that they're in London. Which is going, this is going to suit you and anybody who's down in London who listens to the podcast for the next. I think it's for the next ten days. There's a number of Marillion taxis that are going around London. Really? So it's so they're liveried up with the album covers, and if you can heel down the Marillion taxi, um, it'll take you to a place. It'll take you to your destination for free. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, so so there is a Marillion taxi. I don't know if it's a fleet of them or, or one or two, but if you see the Marillion taxi in the next uh, next few days, whilst the album's out promotion, and I just thought, hats off to Marillion for finding good. Uh, quirky ways to promote the album by uh, promoting free taxis in the capital of, <laughs> capital of the country. One of the nice things that was that I saw in the in the news this week was Mike Portnoy. So obviously, Mike Portnoy split with uh, Dream Theater, gosh, twelve years ago, mm-hmm. um, and he went to his first Dream Theater gig um, in the last few days, um, Matt. So he, he was sitting at the mixing desk. Um, James LeBray, the singer, um, gave him a shout out. 
But mm. I thought it was really, really nice the way in which he, he went and hung out with the guys. He's been recording with them all separately, etc. I thought that was really nice. He and he and he said, Hey, and the first time and it's it's my first time seeing Dream Theatre in thirty six years. And I thought that was really nice that they've all got back they they're all back together and uh, he seemed to have a good night and, and appreciate it. So nice to see Mike back with his Dream Theatre bodies. Very good. Yeah. Very nice good. Man. So that is the news mm. and new releases. News and new releases. Um, so last time, Brian, yep. if you remember, <laughs> in our Valentine's Day special, uh-huh. do you remember what, that was that was quite uh, quite surreal, wasn't it, when David Covenant um, somehow got cross line with us? He did. He did. Do you remember? Yeah, it was it was it was it was quite scary. It was I, I felt really bad kicking him off the show. You know, you yeah. know, DC. Oh, you did wish him well though. That's very good of you. <laughs> I only picked up on that afterwards, actually. When you, yeah. you're very clever. I know, I know. It's um, so so clever, you missed it. Uh, exactly. Yeah, we were listening to it. Kate and I were listening to it in the car. I thought, oh, I see what he's done there. Yeah, yeah, very good. So, Brian, last time I set you the year 1988. Yes, as your year in rock. Yeah. Now, two things. One. Had you started university then? I can't remember whether we established whether you were I, I, yes. halfway through. <laughs> I think I did. Yet. I think I did. Yeah? Yeah. No, no, you, no you couldn't have done. I couldn't have you done. Were, no, no, I didn't. No, I wasn't. 1989 was uni. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. 89 to... 93. Uh, to, <laughs> Anyway, um, exactly. So that was no, 1988, Brian. Memories of 1988. How old were you then? You must be about 17, were you? Oh, that's very kind of you, sir. 19. I was 19. No, 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 19. No, no, 19. Paul Hardcastle. Phil mm. Lynott's last single. Stop talking about 19, Brian. Yes, I was 19. I was 19 years of age. I was, I was, uh, yeah, it was, I obviously wasn't good. I wasn't doing anything much rock and roll. Uh, yeah. Matt, because when I went to my setlist, setlist.fm and, and checked out my wall at the side of where, where I have all my gig tickets, and I went, I can't find any tickets or any, any gigs that I went to in 1988. So I'm like going, what was I doing? I probably went to quite a lot of local gigs. So no gigs in 1988, Matt. However, I have a smorgasbord of fantastic albums in 1988. Very good. Uh, yeah, and these are ones ones that we bought uh, as well too, which mm. is fabulous. So I'm mm-hmm. going to kick off 1988 with Easy Peasy. Um, it was my album of the year in 1988. Um, we all know, um, uh, well, it was the fourth studio album of Europe. It was out of this world. It sold three million copies worldwide. Um, I remember buying, I bought the silver disc single, Matt, of Superstitious. Which was a great single, um, yeah. Um, uh, it was the first. It was the first album that they obviously John Norum had left the band um, during the final countdown. So Key Markello uh, joined the band, played guitar, phenomenal guitar player. I I, I got to see them the next year um, when they when they toured the album. Um, out of this world, I'm probably just, I might just try and sneak on the entire album. No, no I won't. But Superstitious, Open Your Heart, uh, More Than Meets the Eye, some great, great tracks on that. So that's my first out of the blocks, Matt. A uh, big hitting album um, from uh, from Europe. The next one, and I'll be interested to see where you, where you are on this artist, because we don't, we don't mention, we don't mention, we haven't mentioned the great Ingve. Jay Malmsteen for a while. So no. um, Ingwe, uh, well known as probably being the modern day Richie Blackmore, i.e. never really holding down a main uh, lineup. And he's always had mm. some great singers, Graham Bonnet. Um, so in 1988, again, fourth studio album that he put out and he got together with Joe Lynn Turner. So Joe Lynn Turner, again, Rainbow. And it's, it's, Ingwe's most commercial uh, uh, offering, you know, it, 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 I think it got into the Billboard, you know, Billboard Top 50. It was um, a fantastic album. Um, some of the tracks on the big single, which we would have seen on Raw Power, 
mm-hmm. was was um, Heaven Tonight with all of Joe's multi-layered yeah. vocals. That's a great song, isn't, isn't it? it? It's just you know, I'm I'm trying very very hard to uh, um uh, not to not to break into song, um, and then we get hit with publishing. Yeah, please don't, because you're a terrible singer. Thank you, but but as an album, it's really really good, and it's a, a ni- nice mixture of obviously Joe's very commercial vocals and Ingwie's neoclassical guitar, but it was really, really well done. Uh, I'll put a couple of tracks on it. And they got some radio play for it, which was fantastic. Um, the next album, it seemed to be a, a year for um, guitar, uh, for guitarists. Um, Skyscraper came out from David Lee Roth. Um, big, big, and obviously Eat Him and Smile, which was the debut album. Um, the the second album, Sky, Skyscraper, I have to say it would be my uh, favourite of all of David's um, solo albums. You've got um, Just Like Paradise, again, was a great single. You had the uh, kind of, I suppose it was a bit like One or Dead or Alive, uh, the kind of acoustic damn good. You had, um, you know, Skyscraper itself, Knuckle Bones, Hot Dog and a Shake, it's such a great album. Um, f- fantastic. Um, I, I I played that. Uh, that was probably one of my uh, go-to albums of 1988. And then the last album, the No uh, Rest for the Wicket album, um, it, Bob Daisley was back in the band writing, um, uh, but it was the first one to feature Zach Wilde. And I remember when, again, MTV, you're watching the first single, Miracle Man, mm. and, and it was just... Zach's playing, it was just his vibrato was just fantastic. But there's tracks like um, Crazy Babies. I went mad when um, the videos came out for Miracle Man, Crazy Babies and Breaking All the Rules because Geezer Butler then joined Ozzy's band on bass and he did the tour. So you're like going, yay! So um, really, really good album, really strong album. Um, I've mentioned a couple. My favourite track on the album which for many years was untitled. You know the you know the way some albums, Matt, where they'll they'll have a track, a hidden track on it. And this track was called Hero. It's just a phenomenal track. I'll put it on the playlist. It's just it's just uh, to me, it's the Aussie the Aussie Zach uh probably my favorite album of the eighties, um, for for uh uh, for Aussie. So there you go. That was 1988 for me. What about you, mate? How you've... Well, um, I, I actually went to a couple of gigs in 1988. I saw Michael, Michael Jackson in 1988. <laughs> Would you believe? Was that Wembley Stadium? No, no Milton Keynes Bowl. And that's not uh, that relevant to this podcast, but I did go and see Michael Jackson. I'm quite proud of that, actually. Yeah. Uh, along with about 60,000 other people in Milton Keynes Bowl. Um, I saw The Mission as well. Um who were at their their peak in um, 1988. They had their album Children out and the standout track from that, produced by John Paul Jones, by the way, of Led Zeppelin fame, of course. And the standout song uh, is Tower of Strength, which, dare I say, is a bit of an epic. Yeah. (laughs) We'll come on to that later, the whole epics thing. Um, A couple of other albums that came out. New Jersey by... Uh, bon Jovi, the follow-up to Slippery When Wet. I actually prefer it to Slippery When Wet, to be honest. I'm with you there. Uh, yeah, it's it's got some some great stuff on it. Um, I mean, it's, it, it is a bit more of a mature album, and um, but it's it's got you know it's got a bit of humour on it. It's got Nation Aid in the Shade, Bad Medicine, Blood on Blood is a good song. Uh, maybe autobiographical, you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, Love for Sale, which is a kind of a throwaway blues sing at the end, okay. which is quite good. Um, so it was a good album. Um, I saw them the year after, actually, uh, also at Milton Keynes Bowl um, on the New Jersey Syndicate tour. That was 1989, though. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Iron Maiden, we've uh, talked about a lot, and they're very prolific. They seem to have an album out every single year that we... Talk about and um, 1988 was no exception, and they brought out probably my favourite Iron Maiden album, which is Seventh Son of the Seventh Son. I think when we did that Desert Island Discs thing a few episodes ago, that was 
That was one of my one of my albums that I would have under my arm as we crashed down in the aeroplane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yes. But it's, it's, it's again a great album. It's it's uh, I think for a lot of people it's probably the, their favourite Maiden album. Um, Can I play with madness? Is on there. The evil, the evil that men do. Moonchild, and the the uh, the title song. Seventh son of a seventh son, um, with the uh, well, the guitar synths. Brian, you were probably on you had your finger on the pulse then. Yeah. Um, but that that kind of keyboardy guitar synth sound, which they didn't overdo on the album. It's, but it sounded pretty good, didn't it? It did. It um, was. It, it was. Um, they started. They started to play a little bit in the Somewhere in Time album. You remember? I remember. Mm. Um, Stranger in a Strange Land. They they were yeah. introducing the guitar. Sin- you're you're absolutely right. It was guitar synths that they started with, but but then actually, um, Steve Harris started to add in keyboards. That's so right. further further down the line and later albums, uh, yeah, that's you know Steve was, um, Steve was bringing in synthesi- synthesizers and Adrian Smith played Steve synthesizers. I know, I know. Obviously, <laughs> obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you remember the um, also in that year uh, Kingdom Come oh. now in, in recent years Greta Van Fleet have been uh, chastised for sounding a bit too Led Zeppelin like and in 1988 Kingdom Come were equally under the under the spotlight for sounding a little bit too Zep like I think you're being um, very kind to Kingdom Come there <laughs> well, they were, you, well I remember the time there was all this kind of out, outcry about oh you sound too much like Led Zeppelin and um, you know it's too it's too derivative and, and and even I think Robert Plant commented fairly fairly indifferently as Robert Plant <laughs> often does um, that said there's some good songs in there I, I remember I agree I, can, I remember I think I had the tape of it the cassette of it I had as well it. Don't know where it is now, of course. Um, but um, it's got a uh, couple of good songs on it, Pushing Hard and Get It On. I mean, they are very, very <clears throat> Zepp-like when you look back at them. Um, but all the same, you know, good album. Fronted by Lenny Wolf. Yes. Which I, I'm not sure that was his real name, but it's a good name all the, t- all the, all the same. And Danny um, Stagg. Danny Stagg was on lead guitar. Are they all named after animals then? <laughs> Brian Sheep and, and John Fox and Do you know what? If if it would be the first German that I would be that would be known by the name of Brian. <laughs> Brian Sheep. Well, you know. Yeah, I you never know. I can remember hearing the single Get It On again on MTV or whatever. And this this I'm I'm giving it away of how little I knew of Led Zeppelin at the time. Because I heard the riff, you know the riff, you know, forget it on, and I was going, "What a killer riff that is!" And that may, that may be somewhat derivative or heavily inspired by a certain Kashmir, maybe. Yeah. And then yeah. you hear the, the 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 then there's the then there's the epic tune on the on the album, which is called "Loving You." Which is all very acoustic and mm. and and it's his vocal delivery as well is very plant and and lots. But but I agree with you. It's a great album. It's a really good yeah, yeah. album. It's still good, all the same. And they were playing it. Would you believe they were playing um, Kingdom Come over the Tannoy um, on uh, Wednesday night? Really? Yeah, they were playing. They played. Uh, they played the single off the next album. Their last. Their their album. In your face, they played the track "Do You Like It," and that's the first time I'd heard Kingdom Come in about wow ten years, or whatever. You sort of stand at it, you know, the way they'll play, and you're going, "That's Kingdom Come, yeah." So, yeah. so they were, they were yeah. yeah. After wonder who puts together those um, those kind of tracks, those blocks of songs you hear between yeah. bands. Yeah. Uh, if they got any sense, and they, they they make them, you know, rock classics. But yeah. um, quite often you hear something a bit strange, don't you? Mm. So, still, Brian, yes. that was nineteen eighty eight. What a fabulous year! It, it was a good year. Yeah, Jeez, a long time ago, wasn't it? Thirty four years ago. 
Oh my goodness. Do you know what will make you feel old before mm. I, and, and I'm, I'm just buying myself some time, Matt, till I decide what year I'm going to give you. Okay. Do you know what made me feel old today? Is no. that on the 18th of March this year, Iron Maiden will be releasing the 40th anniversary commemorative cassette for yeah. Number of the Beast. Yeah. And I went, sorry, sorry, sorry. Is, is it not, is the Yes album not uh, 40 years old or, you know, uh, the, the Beatles, you know, and you're kind of going 40 years since Number of the Beast. Anyway, I've bought myself enough time to decide which year you've got of for for uh for next time let's bring it right bang up to date um i'm expecting lots of ariana grande and little mix in this i'm going to give you 2018 mate okay very good excellent so good luck Accepted. with that so brian when we were put together this uh this podcast and we were looking back at 1988 made me think particularly with uh, referring to uh, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, mm. maybe think about epic songs. What mm. makes a song epic? Why are some songs called epic? Why are some song, songs called anthems? I really don't know. But I thought, I thought I don't personally will know, and that is one <laughs> Brian Maley. So um, when we talk about our favourite epic songs, Brian, yeah. what, what do you think makes an epic song? It's bloody long. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that's always the criteria? No, 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 uh, no. Normally uh, it is. Though, no, normally it? it is. And, and in, in some ways it's, it's, it's generally, a, uh, it's generally a, not, may, not necessarily a long song, but there's, there's, it's, there's going to be different moods within it. So mm. th- there might be, if I'm thinking about epic songs that we'll go through, it might have a, like a, an acoustics, acoustic guitar starts then some strings and then the drums will come in and then it'll be jingly jangly guitars and then it'll be rock out for the end of it so there'll be lots of maybe time signature changes and different stuff that that to me i'm i'm already in my mind uh picturing the epic songs and usually ronnie james d will sing in them (laughs) (laughs) well yeah yeah good good call um So I'll tell you my theory. Yes. I think all this goes back to so heavy rock, as we've discussed once or twice, there are there are reflections with classical music. Yes. And in an epic, there are quite often different sort of sections. Sections mm-hmm. or or what would they call them in the musical world. Movements. Anyway, movements. That would that's it. I knew you'd know. <laughs> But movements can mean something else. (laughs) Exactly. Musical movements. Not music and movement. We used to when we were kids, but at school, but the musical movements. That wasn't the movement I was thinking of. (laughs) (laughs) Right, let's move on. Sorry. Keep it it clean, bye. Keep it clean. clean. Um, So I think there are are, um, are kind of uh, similarities with classical music, certainly with epic songs, and, and certainly rock. Yeah, uh, I think uh, you know it does lend itself certainly because it's mainly album driven. Obviously, there have been rock singles over the years, and we've talked about a few of those. Yeah. But the album does, and certainly did, it lend itself to long songs. Yeah. And as we know, there are certain uh, bands who have chosen to, you know, make the entire side of an album <laughs> one song. Yes, twenty one twelve by Rush. For Absolutely, example. yeah. Um, so I think that's where there are there are similarities and the different moods, as you say, the different mood, the different kind of sections and movements yeah. within a piece. Yeah. Um, I think there are three. I'd be interested to know what your view is on this. There, there are three probably epic songs that stand out, and we could put them to one side. I'm pleased. Um, this is are, it's funny. I was thinking exactly the, the same. Definitive, the definitive yeah. epics. Yes, exactly. Would you like me to share them with you? I will, and I yes, I've got. I've got two in my mind, which I'm thinking, sorry, I've got three that I think we just discount because we all know they're epic. I, I think that we're going to have the same. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yep. Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> yes. And Bat Out of Hell. Oh, I had Stargazer. Oh, no. You've got to have Stargazer but, on the list. But you, but you, but you trump me and Bat Out of Hell 
but in hell is absolutely it is it's nappy um but certainly there are a lot of songs that um are over six or seven minutes long which are deemed to be epics yeah and from different eras yeah um but certainly um i mean recently there have been some uh, examples which we'll come to but this it is really the 70s and 80s which was which were the golden eras of um of the epic song when bands went just a little bit overindulgent a little bit over the top and couldn't help themselves in writing long songs yeah um i know you've got a very funny quote about rush <laughs> a lot of this so yes so in the film beyond the lighted stage with rush stephen colbert um is interviewing the guys from rush and he turns on and he says have you have you ever uh written something and played something so long that you ended up being influenced by yourself. <laughs> and the three of them just looked at each other and fell about laughing about, you know, you know the, the, the grandiosity of, uh, of, of Rush's material. So I thought that was, that was fun. That was fun. Yes. I don't, it's, it's a good point, but I don't think a long song necessarily means an epic. I think, no. first and foremost, you've got to have a good song. Yes. And as you say, it's got to have light and, sh- I think light and shade is a prerequisite. Yeah. And maybe, as you say, some piano, some sort of gentle introductory yeah. uh, mu- music. Um, I mean, you know, for example, um, as you say, Stargazer sort of starts high tempo and stays high tempo, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And that is an epic because it's, and I think having that kind of Eastern theme, yeah. for some reason, equals epic. And if you think about that and Kashmir. Yeah. By Led Zeppelin and also Lost Horizons by Michael Schenker Group. They've all got that kind of Eastern tinge to them, which seems to be the part of the formula, part of the alchemy for um, uh, conjuring up an an epic song. Yeah, very much. We still need to work on some songs, Brian, because we need to flog them to Sony for millions of dollars, (laughs) by the way. So I hope you're you're writing away at home on your your acoustic there. On my Bon Tempe keyboard. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> on your wall was acoustic and your Bon Tempe keyboard. Um, but certainly there's that kind of Eastern flavour which seems to um, seems to kind of give that uh, epic feel. Yeah. Um, but certainly songs that have got a slow start and, a, and build up. I mean, I think as, as one or two people have said already on Twitter and Facebook when we've when we talked about this, um, you know, songs like um, One by Metallica. Yes. That's got that kind of, that sort of, very atmospheric, sort of only a few notes riff that introduces the song. But, uh, and I think as someone else said, you know, this, quite often these epic songs are are the signature songs of these bands. Yeah. Um, what do you think the difference between a, an epic song and a, an anthem is, Brian? So I'll, I'll, I will give you an example by using do. a band. And how I would how I would split the difference between an anthem and an ep and an epic, and I'll use a band who you've just mentioned, but we won't use that song. So I'm going to go to Queen, and I'm going to I'm going to say an anthem of Queen's would be "We Will Rock You," because mm-hmm. "We Will Rock You" simple, easy. There's a slight possibility even I could remember the lyrics of "We Will Rock You," yeah. and and it's and it's crowd pleasing and everybody can sing along to it you then go to um uh the epic side of it i would pick innuendo so yeah. innuendo which was oh, yeah. one of their last singles where you have the, the the can i say the led zeppelin eastern you know there's elements to it and then you had the the middle eight where steve howe's playing that classical minstrel bit yeah. so to me epic is interesting and Light and shade anthems are all right now. You know, it's like the ones that you're going, to, ones that are going to get your arm going, and it's the big. They're going to be the big. It may not be the single, but it's going to be that's that's how I would split yeah, the difference. Along. Is that a good? Living, live, yeah, it's good. I think that's a good. Um, that's, a, that's that's a good way of explaining it. Actually, the anthems are probably living on a prayers, and you, as you say, we will rock you and. Uh-huh. Um, Ain't no love in the heart of the city. The crowd pleasing, yeah. sing along, yeah. jump up and down. Um, yeah. As you say, the epics are probably ones the ones that you you sort of 
you know, on the edge of your seat waiting for them to uh, play them and um, send you home feeling happy. Yeah. I can't, I can't not mention Diamond Head, of course, and they're epic. <laughs> is that a very kind of epics, actually? Correct. Uh, Am I Evil, of course, is uh, very well known. Night of the Swords from the Canterbury album, uh-huh. both of which have got that kind of, um, maybe certainly Night of the Swords has got that kind of, um, Eastern feel to it. Not that it's a prerequisite for, yeah. for an epic, but certainly um, it, 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 it appears to be a, a regular theme. Yeah. What else you got for us, Brian? Uh, no, so, uh, so I'm going to, so you mentioned Loving and a Prayer um, by Bon Jovi, mm. which is the anthem. One of their epic tunes, which is on the Keep the Faith album, uh, it's a fabulous track, Dry County. Oh, yeah. And um, and I say dry county because at the end, uh, you know, it's got the piano bit, it's got the slow build up, and then at the end, there's just Richie Sambor is playing some insane electric guitar, which would remind, which kind of I can probably segue an epic song. So it, um, it reminded me, dry county reminds me of the end sequence and Freebird yeah. from Leonard Skinner, and again. The anthem, the anthem from Leonard Skinner would be Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. The epic for me is going to be Freebird. So that that's those are uh, those would be some of the some of the epic tunes. Um, Do you think there's certain bands that have uh, been commercially successful because of the the number of epic songs they write? And I and I was thinking about this today. We could do a whole podcast on. Zepics, Zepics, Epics. When you th- when you think about it, you got Stairway to Heaven. You got Since I've Been Loving You. You yeah. got Cashmere. Yeah. You've got um, In My Time of Dying. Uh, Ten Years Gone. I mean, they they just yeah. they just had this ability to create these masterpieces, yeah. which uh, and I use the word masterpiece because obviously we quite often use that in the context of classical music. Yeah. But um, I think, you know, obviously you need, you need the chops, you need the ability yeah. to write, you know, light and shade, but mm-hmm. certainly I think of all the bands that have done epic songs, I think Led Zeppelin must be top of the, top of the pile. I would agree. I would agree. I would agree with you. And I, and the reason why I would put Zeppelin at the top of the list would be, because they, um, and the, the next band I'll mention who I think have done some epic, some epic material is, is with Zeppelin, when Zeppelin recorded Kashmir, um, uh, you know, even Dazed and Confused, etc. you know, which are, oh, yeah. you know, light and shade within that. They put it on album, seven, eight minute length songs. If I then, um, if I then looked at somebody like Purple, so you you record you record a track like Space Trucking on uh, on on our studio album. It's not till Purple went live, and mm. you listen to you listen to Made in Japan, and there's like a 27 minute version of Made in you know of Space Trucking or um, Hi- Highway Star, you know an epic. So I th- I think Purple Purple move into that bracket of epic but i think they did epic live a lot like i you know that when i was thinking of purple for or just thinking about epic tunes child in time yeah is, a, is an epic tune for me and do you know what why i think it's epic um because some of the you and i are both singers and I, I and I was thinking about some of the epic tunes. Very kind of you to say that. We both we both are. We both we've well, we both we both we both sung, um, and still sing. And uh, I often think about some of the Iron Maiden epics. Uh, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is the one that comes to mind. And there's an element of it where it's it's nine minutes long. It's one of my favourite. It's it's on Live After Death. Um, for about five or six minutes, Bruce can go and have a we lie down and we break. Well, he probably did. He probably did. <clears throat> Whereas with Child and Time, which he had a last nice little cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was, he was, he was probably fencing. He was probably fencing or reading up on his pilot's license or something. You, know, you can't imagine yeah. Bruce. Bruce is not the sort of person who's just going to sit there and go, right, I've got 20 minutes. I'm just going to sit here and just drink a beer. He'll, he'll be writing a book or, you know, we'll be doing something. Anyway, we digress. He did get his own back, didn't he, with Empire of the Clouds, which is just a monster. 
from the Book of Souls album. I think it come, comes in at 18 minutes. <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the problem with, 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 not problem, I suppose, but the benefit of CDs in that, you know, you, you can, you can almost be as expansive as you, as you want to be. Whereas yeah. back in the day, if you, if you got a little bit carried away, you had to do a double, double album. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I like Child and Time's epic, but it's epic because Ian Gillan equally is, he sings the quiet vocal, he then mm. sings the rock vocal, and then he goes into that stratospheric screaming that he did. And you kind of go on, most epic tunes is where the, as most epic tunes is where the singer can go, right, um, you know, I bet you Ronnie Van Zant went and had a, a quick beer when they're doing the, the, the fifth, you know, the five minutes of lead guitar bits. So, um, Child and Time would be on my list. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a good it's a good point. So so far we've established that it's A long, yes. B, it's got an eastern tinge potentially, it's got light and shade, and yeah. occasionally it's got a singer that goes off the scale in terms of um <laughs> in terms of the uh, vocal gymnastics, as it were. Yes. Um I think there I think there is there is room for a short epic. Um we talked about Led Zeppelin earlier. Certainly, remember something like "When the Levee Breaks," which is not a long song, but certainly is—it's um, got that kind of quality about it uh, in terms of its um, its construction and its its the flavour of it and the feel of it. Um, coming up today, I think we mentioned uh, we mentioned Alterbridge a few times. Blackbird, yes, by them is is uh, uh, I think a modern masterpiece from the Blackbird album of the same name. Um, one of my favourite songs of theirs, which which I would also put in that same bracket, is uh, "Waters Rising," uh, which is on the Fortress album, I think it is, um, sung by Mark Tremonti, one of my favourite singers. Really, all right, I didn't singer. know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there is a, there's a difference between having a long song and maybe an epic song. Mm. Um, you know, think about something like "Comfortably, Comfortably Numb," yeah, which is probably you could put in the in the epic epic bracket, but Shine on Your Crazy Diamond, maybe not so. Probably similar length songs, but... Um... Yeah, yeah, I no, I I, th- I think it's, I think uh, epic, epic for me has got to be, I don't like to use the word, I like to use the word bombastic. Do you I, like to use that word, bombastic? I, bombast, I, for me, I, I, I want an epic song to ebb and flow. Should I we call want, you Mr. Bombastic? Mr. 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 Bombastic. <laughs> if you if you listen to Forevermore, hmm. which is uh, which is you know um, one of the the latter White Snake albums, Doug Aldridge and what Doug and and David wrote in that, it's acoustic, and then at the end it's <clears throat> it's phenomenal. It's very epic. It's got strings, etc. And even Sailing Ships, which is on the um, um, Slip of the Tongue album. You know, it's got Glenn Hughes and vocals. Again, nicks your idea of the Eastern element to it as well, too. You know, it's got, yeah. I think it's got a sitar. Well, what I've just th- thought about, Brian, is this is going to take up about 15 hours on the, um, <laughs> on the, on playlist. the playlist. Yeah. Um, but there, there you go. And I, and, and, and I haven't even, I haven't even, I haven't even touched yet on the, uh, putting won't get fooled again by uh, by the who, which to me is is I, I could not not have that on the list. That that's that's epic because live again. Mm. That's probably I I look forward to that in a set. <clears throat> and there's always going to be there's going to be some bands where you're where the the epic song makes the night for you. And to me, it's won't get fooled again or Barbara Riley again. Yeah. It's got that intro. And I bet you there will be those people who go and see Alter Bridge will expect there'll be those who will be going, I want to hear Watch Over You or Mm. I want to hear Blackbirds. Most fans will want to hear them both, but you're kind of going, you're kind of going Blackbirds. It's, it's their signature. You know, how many times does it win the polls of best guitar duo uh, Mm. and, 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 you know, in the sort of latter years, it's a modern masterpiece. Staying in your phrase. Yeah, absolutely. So, Brian, we could go on all night talking about epics. Yes. Um, and we invite our listeners, all 13 of them, to come back to us with their thoughts on uh, epics, as one or two have already done so, on mm-hmm. Facebook and on Twitter. Yep. 
at FTAT pod. Yep. That's our Twitter name, Brian. It's not name. our CB handle. It's not a CB <laughs> handle or uh, email address or anything. It's our Twitter right. handle. Twitter handle. Oh, oh, uh. <laughs> Is that a Twitter handle? They call that a Twitter. Anyway, our Twitter name thingy. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, next time. Yes. It's going to be uh, our St. Patrick's Day special. Mm, excellent. Everything Irish. Everything Irish. Best of Irish. Best of Irish. To celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Are you going to be all right with that, Brian? I think I'm going to be very well. There are are a couple of Irish bands that you've mentioned once or twice. Yes. and Irish-based. Yes. Be the show, which will be subtitled Six Degrees of Separation from Vivian Campbell. Yes, indeed. <laughs> How many times can Brian mention Vivian Campbell in next in our St. Patrick's Day special? Absolutely. Yeah. So that brings us to, as I've said this many times, everyone's favourite part of the old podcast. What, the end? <laughs> the end. When we stop. <laughs> no, we're not quite at the end yet, Brian. Okay. Okay. This epic podcast is going on a little bit longer uh-huh. because, are you ready? Yeah, I am. You really sure? I am very sure. Should I do an epic version? I think you should do a very I'll epic start, version. I'll start start quietly. Start acoustically. <laughs> <laughs> Hidden gem time. That was very epic, wasn't it? <laughs> Well, what have you got for us, then, so, young Brian? So, um, I I'm cheating. I'm cheating, Matthew. I am, I am using, I'm using the title of your segment where you say hidden gems. Oh yeah. So I'm doing plural. So I'm being cheeky. I'm not just doing. I'm not doing one album. I'm doing two albums this episode. Okay. So, yes. <clears throat> so I am. Our our. Our, one of our 12 listeners, Paul, I know. 13. It, 13. Oh, tw- 13. Uh, so Paul's a massive fan of this band. And you're a massive fan of this band. I think we're all a, a fan. <laughs> Asia. Mm. We like So the, the classic lineup of Asia, um, we've talked about before. Um, John Wetton, Carl Palmer, Jeff Downs, and Steve Howe when they got together in 1982. Obviously, um, Jeff Downs, brought the band back together in the 90s. And the two albums which I'm going to put forward as hidden gems for this episode are the albums that Asia released in 1992 and 1994, respectfully. So the first album is Aqua, and the second album is Aria. Now, it is peppered with some um, special uh, guest spots. So Steve Howe turns up on the album now and again. It's very, very... John Wetton had left Asia at the time and he had been replaced by um, a bass player and singer called John Payne, who I believe yep. you have seen. And uh-huh. You've seen him in the uh, in Las Vegas. That's right. Yeah, so John... Well, I didn't just bump into him in Las Vegas. He was in a show <laughs> called Raiding the Rock Vault, <laughs> which happens to be my hidden... No, it isn't. All right. Okay. Yeah, John Payne. John Payne's Asia. That was it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was John Payne's Asia. So, so John, John took on the mantle of John Wetton. Really, really well produced albums. Um, some of my favorite tracks uh, on it. I'll put them on the playlist. Is Who Will Stop the Rain? Someday, anytime. As a as a double. If this was a double album, it would be just progtastic. So I offer up as my hidden gem for episode twenty seven, um, the two. My two favourite John Payne era Asia albums, which is Aqua and Aria. Very good. How about you, mate? What's your head and gems? <laughs> bit, of a, bit of a tongue twist in that one, wasn't There's it? There's lots of A's, wasn't there? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you did well. You Thank did you. Well, well. That was 15 takes, but you got, it, got there eventually. Well done. Um, so I'm going to go back to the featured year of 1988. And an album by a band that you and I have seen, and we've talked about once or twice. Um, and um, this was their debut album. And it was released in 1988. Um, produced by 
chap called Ed Stasium. Uh-huh. And also by Mick Jagger. <gasps> he, Ooh. he would be yet, right? I'm thinking this album read. is um, Vivid by Living Colour. All right, okay. Um, and it's a great album. It's got some great stuff on it. I listened to it again recently a couple of times in its entirety. Cult of Personality is on there. Yeah. Which is probably one of their signature songs, I would suggest. Open Letter to a Landlord. Yeah. Glamour Boys. Probably my introduction to um, Living Colour back in the late 80s was Glamour Boy. Yeah. And also uh, their song, um, What's Your Favourite Colour, which was from uh, the TV show Living Colour. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it's a good album. It's a good album. Vivid. Cool. Yeah. By Living Colour. Do you remember that, Brian? I do indeed. Uh, uh, Love and Colour. You like it? I loved it. It's funny when you said Mick Jagger, I didn't, I didn't know that he had any involvement with Love and Colour from a production. I, w- I was thinking Stevie Salas or uh, Dan Reid was whenever you were doing the build up for that. So I, I, I didn't know that that's a new one for me that, that mm. Mick. Yeah, I think, I think, I think he might have taken, not he, but the Stones may, from memory, may have taken um, Living Colour out on tour with them, which would have been, would have been great. Um, to be out well any band opening yeah. up for um, opening up for the Stones of course yeah. but uh, yeah Living Colour still going still going strong uh, we saw them a few years ago um, great band effortless singer yes. in um, Corey Glover, Glover. Rogers yes. brother Rosie Glover's brother <laughs> <laughs> we brothers what's I that Brothers, really? Well, you know, you 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 drop you drop the you drop the fact that their their albums produced by Mick Jagger, so I have to you know I have to counter it with it's Roger Glover's brother, Roger Glover's brother. Um, no, he's not Roger Glover's brother. He's just trying to create another. Oh no, twist, uh, exactly. You'd be more Roger Glover's brother, 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 Glover, brother. So just to be clear, Corey Glover is not Roger Glover's brother. He's not at all. He's not his brother. No, not no. a brother. Anyway, uh, let's stop. Let's stop messing about. Um, Sorry. For a change. So my my hidden gem for this time, episode twenty seven, is Vivid, the debut album by Living Colour, which was released in our Gear in Rock of nineteen eighty eight. See what I did there, Brian? That's clever, wasn't it? It was, do you know what, yeah. do you, do you know what? It was re- either clever or, clever or desperate, I think, basically. It, it, no, no, no. It was very, very clever because I can't believe in 1988 that I completely left out of my favourite albums in 1988, Queensryche's Operation Mindcrime. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised by that. Yeah. So, so if I'd been thinking about it, I, I could have stuck that into my, uh, I could have put that into my, as my hidden gem, but, but yeah, you did it. Anyway, that was it. Is that uh, it? That ep- is it. It is. It is. Episode 27. Uh, Over. Nice Done. to see you, mate. You too. Um, as usual, as Matt said, um, we uh, thank everybody for uh, dialing in. If you've enjoyed, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe. Um, we're on Spotify, Apple, and all of the usual streaming uh, streaming services. Uh, we're on Facebook. Um, um, we are on Twitter. Um, Kelvin looks after all of that for us. So thanks for that, Kelvin. And oh, yeah, mysterious Kelvin. I thought it was Kelvin's birthday recently, the mysterious Kelvin, the social media guy. Yeah. Uh, happy um, birthday, Kelvin, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bit like Stig. He wants to remain anonymous. He's just known as Kelvin, the social media. I'm not even sure that's his real name, to put it this okay. Okay. But he likes to be known as Kelvin, social media guy. And 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 I think if if he ever decides to leave us, then mm. what we'll do is we'll just whoever we replace him with, we'll just call them Kelvin as well too. Absolutely, they'll be uh, also called Kelvin, the yeah. social media the, guy, the Kelvin, the Kelvin, <laughs> the Kelvin. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway yes, what an epic note, show, mate! What an epic what show! What an epic show, indeed. Indeed, we enjoyed that. All right. um, Anyway, no impersonations. No. Which will please one or two people. No mention of King's X. No mention of King's X. No mention of little old men or ladies stopping me in the street, which hasn't happened recently, I'll be honest. Uh-huh. Um, for a change. Anyway, we will see 
everyone again for episode 28, the St. Patrick's Day special coming up in a couple of weeks. Grand. <laughs> See you soon, mate. Take See care. Bye bye. For those about to pod, we salute you is a Maylee Rogers Media Production.